I want to talk for a few minutes about what David said about Saul's armor. It's pretty interesting. What David said about Saul's armor. So I want you to get your Bible. I want you to turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're starting verse 37. I'm reading today from the modern King James Version because I like the way that it's translated here. I like the way that it's worded. 1 Samuel 17, verse 37, And David said, Jehovah, who has delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and may Jehovah be with you. And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put a helmet of bronze on his head, and he also armed him with scaled armor. And David girded his sword on his armor, and he tried to go. But he had not tested it. And David said to Saul, I, can't, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. And David took them off. He took his staff in his hand, and he chose five small, uh, smooth stones out of the brook for himself. And he put them in the shepherd's vessel, which he had, even a bag. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near the Philistine. Now, probably everybody in this room knows the story of David and Goliath. And so you say, well, I've heard this one before. I don't need to pay attention. Well, let's look at this from a little bit of a different angle. Let's do take into consideration as, as our foundation for where we're going, what was going on in this story. For 40 days, a giant almost 10 feet tall had stepped out from among the ranks of the rest of his army and challenged the Israeli army. Every day he had, the, the, they would form the lines for battle every day and they wouldn't fight because before that they could engage in battle, this one particular giant would emerge from the pack he would step out in front and he would challenge all of the soldiers from Israel and say, just one of you, come and fight me, just one. He would ridicule them. He would mock their God. This went on, guys, not for a week, not for two weeks, but every day for 40 days. And every day when he would issue the challenge and he would mock those poor soldiers from Israel would scatter in fright, and sometimes they would even probably run. And the king of Israel was so desperate for a champion to defeat this giant that he had issued rewards, and he said, for the man that goes and kills this giant is going to have my daughter's hand in marriage and I don't know what she looked like maybe she wasn't much and that's why nobody was coming forward I don't know but for the prestige alone of what that would mean you'd have thought somebody would step up but I'll tell you something at a day and time where most men were probably five three to five 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 feet five five foot six 
a big guy back then would have been the king who stood, according to Scripture, a head and shoulders taller than everybody else, which might have made him at that time 6'3", 6'4". He was huge. And for all of these other guys to step out knowing that their own king was huge, but then to look at a guy that was four feet taller than him, knowing what rode upon the outcome of this battle. See, it wasn't just if you win, you'll get glory and you'll get the hand of this new bride. It wasn't that. It was the challenge from the giant was whichever one of us wins... We win for our country. Now, we don't just get glory. It means that the other country serves us as slaves. So if the giant wins, he's saying, because of this one battle, I won't just kill the soldier, but every soldier, and now perhaps hundreds of thousands of people's futures and fates rely on the outcome of one battle between a giant and just a regular person. The fate being that, again, he doesn't just win the battle, but now they become the slaves of the winning country. That's why nobody wanted to step up. Who wants that kind of pressure? It makes you wonder, where's the king himself? He's the tallest one, the biggest one, the strongest one, the most experienced one. And he's not stepping up, and he's already got his daughter. He's already got the kingdom. He's already got everything, and he's head and shoulders taller and bigger than everybody else. He's not stepping up. Why? What's going on? And then David, David was, we don't know for sure, but probably around 17 years of age, shows up bringing his brothers who are in the army some food, bringing supplies. Dad said, go check on your brothers, take them something to eat, check on them, come back, tell me what's going on, tell me about what's happening on the, on the battlefront. And so David shows up with supplies and he leaves them with the person in charge and he runs to the front of the battle lines because he's excited, he's enthused, wants to see what's going on and he hears the mocking, the challenge of this giant and a righteous indignation rises up in this youth and he says why doesn't somebody do something about this he's talking to different ones his older brother hears him and says why don't you just go back home and take care of those few sheep that you take care of why are you coming up here talking all this noise you're not going to do anything david says I'll go fight that giant. Somebody overhears him making a statement, and I don't know why. I can't figure this part out. I mean, when you're a child at all, it's easy. It's just easy. It's like, okay, you know, kingdoms represent 20 or 30 people, right? And there's a king, and he sits on a throne, and then there's... Let's talk about real life here. Word gets to a king who rules over a whole nation with hundreds of thousands of people whom he is ruling, word gets to him that there is a shepherd boy about 17 years old that's hanging around with the soldiers down there, brought some cheese. He wants to fight the giant. And what would the king say? 
come on, guys, get real. Tell him to go home. I don't even want to hear about it. Let's get, let's get serious. What gives him an audience with this king? I don't know. I don't know. Does it make any sense? Sometimes fear will make people do things they wouldn't normally do. Make decisions that they wouldn't normally make. I'm already getting somebody's attention this morning. Sometimes you will make decisions because you are afraid or confused or worried that you would not normally make decisions that in your right mind are not logical. But because of circumstance, you're grasping at straws. If there's anybody here that's well, hang on a minute, King. Wait a minute. Just because he's willing to fight, he's probably going to get beat, and you're going to die anyway. Well, I have nothing else to go on. Bring him here. And so, this teenage young man is brought into the presence of the king. I want you to know something about David. This is a compliment of the highest order. David was a true shepherd. You say, well, he wasn't a king. He wasn't a warrior. Yeah, he was a warrior. True shepherds are warriors. True shepherds may not be soldiers, but they're warriors. Just because David had never been in a battle like the other soldiers doesn't mean he hadn't been in a battle before. In fact, this young man has, with his own hands and and very rudimentary weapons, has killed lions and bears. How many of you have ever wanted to get close enough to try to see if you could kill a lion or or a bear? He said he did it by getting a hold of their mane when he went to take the sheep out of their mouth. And if they fought back, he said, I grabbed them by their beard and I killed them. This is not your normal 17-year-old young man who sits on a couch playing video games. He may not be a soldier, but he is a warrior. We need to take that into account because sometimes we think, well, God just raised somebody up and have them do this miraculous and mighty work and, and, and they, have no, they have no weapons, they have no experience, they have nothing. He just raised, I'm going to tell you right off the bat, he can do that, but very rarely does he do that. Most of the time, God prepares somebody. He always prepares them for the battles they're going to fight and he will prepare them in a way that will get them ready even if it doesn't look like that would do so because nobody would have thought Hey, if we're going to pick training to kill a giant, let's do that killing lions and bears instead of trying to figure out how to use swords and shields and spears. I mean, which would you have picked, guns or a sling? God will be the one that determines the weapon that you use, but pretty much invariable. I mean, I, I, I can't think of, somebody would say, well, maybe Gideon or something. I can't think of anybody that, that didn't have Potential and experience of some sort going into the next battle. Now, depending on the the size of the battle, you have to understand this. This is not David's first battle. Because we're thinking, oh, this little kid was sitting over here playing a harp. And then he went up there and he got out, borrowed a sling from somebody. No, he knows this sling. 
He knows this sling. He knows exactly which rocks to pick up. He's adept with this weapon. Still with me? So he's brought into the presence of the king. And Saul listens to him for a minute, looked him in the eye and must have seen the fire. When David said, I may never have fought with y'all up here before, but I have killed lions and bears with my own bare hands. And the king says, okay, I'm going to let you do this. I think maybe it's out of guilt that the king says, let me prepare you best I can. And so what an honor. The king takes David and says, I'm going to put my own armor on you to go fight this giant. And so he begins to dress him in the armor. A six foot four man putting the armor on a five foot six teenager. Armor that has been specifically crafted for his body. It would have looked something like this. The helmet is bobbing around all over the place on his little head. The shin guards are down over his feet. The breastplate is probably hanging down to his knees. You ever thought about this? David is geared up and now he girds on the sword, which probably weighs about as much as he does. It's the sword of a big, strong soldier that has been used in battle. It's a heavy weapon and it's hanging on the side along with all of this armor on this young man. And the scripture said that David tried to go in them. He tried. But this is what David said. I can't go in this. Why not, David? I want you to write these things down. He said, I can't go in this, number one, because it doesn't fit me. Your armor doesn't fit me. I can't go in this. This helmet is too big. The shield and the sword are too heavy. I look like a clown. I'm, I'm clanging and tripping around in this tent. Listen. If the armor doesn't fit you, don't insist on wearing it. Because the very thing that you're putting on in hopes of protecting you will probably get you killed. You're quiet. You're thinking. Why would you covet another person's armor? Have you ever have you ever just thought to yourself if you had their armor if I had someone else's armor I would be so much more protected 
I'd be such a better warrior if I had someone else's armor. Have you ever thought that? What we need to do is get comfortable in the armor that God has provided for us individually. David said, this doesn't fit me. Number two, he said, it isn't familiar. I'm a shepherd, not a soldier. I've got a warrior's heart. I've been fighting all along, but I've never fought in armor, especially like this. My question to us is, why would you want to go into the biggest battle of your life wearing armor that you're not comfortable in? Do you know why that professional basketball players don't wear football pads in the games? Football pads are great. If you're trying to protect your shoulders, your shins, knees, they're great if you're gonna if you're planning on getting tackled, if you're planning on tackling somebody else. Can you imagine what it would be like to step out on a basketball court? You're gonna try to jump with shoulder pads, you're gonna try to see peripherally with a football helmet on. You're going to try to run up and down a wood court with cleats on. You know why you don't do that? It isn't functional. You could be the most armored up person on the basketball court and you're going to get beat. Because somebody that's just in a tank top and shorts is going to run back and forth around you, all around you. He's going to jump over the top of you. He's going to do whatever he wants to do on that court because you're weighed down with armor that doesn't belong in that particular situation. It's not familiar. David said, I can't go in this. Number three, he said, I can't wear this because it limits my movement. You say, well, I think you just already talked about that. No, I want you to understand something a little bit deeper. I want you to think in the spirit right now. Let's talk about spiritually. It limits my movement. Here's what's, here's what's being said. Saul has always fought full of experience with his armor. David has always fought full of the Holy Ghost with his sling. That's different. Saul goes in his own might and strength. Yes, at one time he was the the mighty person that God had called and anointed as a king. But Saul now, he goes in battle. And he goes in battle with his experience and his wisdom as a warrior, as a soldier. He depends on his weapons in order to get the job done. David has never depended on his weapons, though they are tried, though they are proven, though they are things he is familiar with. He's never gone into the battle banking on a sling against a bear. He went into the battle banking on God. This limits my movement. Why would you say that, Pastor? 
Because David knew that God had always been his armor. And when you put on somebody else's armor at this point, it simply looks as if you're no longer confident in God to keep you. But you're saying, this is a bigger battle than I've ever been in before. I better put on armor that I've never had before. And since I don't have my own, I better look around and put on somebody else's. And it won't work. It will limit your movement. It's a good word. David knows how to move in his own armor. Pastor, he doesn't have any armor. That's right. He knows what his shield and his sword and his spear are. They're his faith in God. He does know his sling and he knows which rocks to pick up and he knows how swiftly he can run and and he knows how he can move when he's free of all encumbrances. Yet there's still that thing that has to be in our minds that maybe it didn't even cross David's mind. But think about this. If David goes without the armor of Saul and he goes in his own strength and he goes with with what he's comfortable with, what he's comfortable with could still fail him. The sling might not function properly. He might be running toward the giant, one of his sandals tear loose and he trips and falls. I mean, anything could happen in his own familiar armor. But he's not worried about it because he's going in experience of faith. Faith says these shoes will make it until I can get more. Faith says these clothes will make it until we get... Faith says this car will keep driving until we get another. Faith says this house will do until we get another. Faith says this job will work until we get more money. Faith says I'm going to keep going with what I'm ready with, with what I'm familiar with, till God gives me something else. Because what he's won through me with all along has always been enough. I got enough faith to get through the next fight. If I go wrapped up. In God's spirit. Mm. You just need the same God you've always went with. And the same faith that you've always won with. Don't start trying today to fight a new way. Some of you are in the biggest battle you've ever been in your life. I'm going to tell you what causes people to second guess their armor. You get you're facing the biggest giant you've ever faced in your life. You're facing the giants of of, of self-doubt. Giants of fear. Giants of self-worth. Facing the biggest giant you've ever faced and it causes you because of the fear. It causes you to begin to think, well, maybe I need a bigger edge. Maybe I need a bigger sword. Maybe I need something different to fight this battle with than I ever had in the past. No, God knows what you need to fight this battle. And it's probably the thing that you've been using all along because that's the thing that is tested. That's the faith that's been working. That's the weapon you've been working with. That's the only weapon that you're going to need. And if God thinks you need another one, he'll provide it. You say, but if If I, listen, if I had so-and-so's education. If I had their money. If I had his charisma. If I had her personality. 
All of a sudden we start looking around saying, if I had this or I had that or something that someone else does better, if I could do it like them. Hey, everybody in this room probably wishes I could preach like T.D. Jakes, but I can't. I never will. You wish I could preach like T.D. Jakes? I wish you had Donald Trump's money. And was tithing on it, somebody say amen. There's a reason why we're who we are. And every one of us are who we are because it's who God created us to be. Some of us have gone 40 days and 40 weeks and maybe 40 months and maybe 40 years of shrinking back every time the giant steps out and says, I mock your God. I mock your faith. I mock your ability. I mock your education. I mock your strength. I mock your health. I mock your relationships. We say, you know what? You're right. They're not as strong as, but I'd come and fight you if I had, man, if, if I just had somebody else's faith, if I just had somebody else's prayer life, if, if I had somebody else's money, I'd come and fight you. It's real, isn't it? It's real. So we start trying to find armor. But it won't work for you. That armor's not going to work for you. You can't go in somebody else's armor. David said, I tried. I tried. I, I put the stuff on and I clambered around and tripped around and was headed out the tent and realized I just this is not going to work for me. You can't put on my armor and I can't put on your armor because the armor that is for you doesn't fit me. It's not familiar for me. It's going to limit my movement. Probably going to get me killed. I've got to go in my own, but the strength I'm going to go in is going to be the strength of God and I'm going to go in the faith, not the fear. What faith got you through every battle up to now? What faith? It's the same faith. This is just a bigger giant. Look back on it. You say, man, years ago I faced a lion. Somehow God brought me through. And then, then I remember after that I faced a bear. But God got me through. And now here I am facing a giant. Boy, this is different than a lion and a bear. In what way? Well, he's bigger. He's more experienced. Besides, this time's different. He's got on armor and he has an armor bearer because you never thought about that. But, but David don't have to just get to the giant. He's got to get through the giant's armor bearer to get to the giant. Did you know that? Did you read that in the story that the armor bearer's running around in front holding the shield? David's rock has got to get over him and right to the spot inside that helmet. You're saying this is going to take more than I've ever had before. This battle's bigger than I've ever fought before. And I'm saying to you, that's okay. That's not a mistake. That's not anything that surprises or confuses or worries God. He's not the least bit concerned about this part of the battle. All he's concerned with is making sure that you hold tight to the faith that got you past the lion and the bear. It's the same faith in him that will cause the rock to land right where it's supposed to land this time. Use the sling you've always used. And step out in faith. Don't let fear keep you. Look what happened. Verse 45. When David takes off those cumbersome pieces of armor. 
And then David said to the Philistine, verse 45, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin. Wow, that's a lot. A sword, a spear, and a javelin. But I come to you in the name of Jehovah of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. So what what do we got here? We got a giant with a sword, a spear, and a javelin against a kid with a sling in the name of the Jehovah of hosts. This doesn't look good. And David put his hand into his bag and he took a stone and he slung it and struck the Philistine in the forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. Uh Uh-oh, look at this verse. And David was stronger than the Philistine with a sling and a stone. And he struck the Philistine and killed him and he didn't even have a sword in his hand. Did you pick up on that? David was stronger than his enemy just with a sling and a stone. A 10-foot man with armor, an armor bearer, the experience of a seasoned soldier, and David armed only with his faith in God, operating with very limited weapons, tried and true. He won that day for God. He won for his country. You need only the armor that God is equipping you with and faith To be a giant slayer. Faith in not them. Not faith in them. I can't go into the battle with faith in my abilities. I'm going to use these abilities. But I'm going in faith in him. Some of you are trying to make your armor make your way. The weapons or the armor God has given you, you're trying to use them to make your way. That's not how it works. Your faith will make the way. The armor has just been given to you to utilize as a vehicle. Faith, faith, faith. What David said about Saul's armor is what we got to say about somebody else's I'm not trying to put yours on. Don't you try to put mine on. Don't you cover someone else's gift. Don't you cover someone else's calling. Don't you cover covet someone else's personality or whatever the case might be. Go with the weapons God has given you and face up to those giants, but go in faith. I'm speaking now to individuals in this room. Some whose battles are physical or financial or relational because these are giants in your life that are distractions to keep you from your purpose. If the giant can tell you, you can't do what you're called to do, and I'm not saying ministry's sake, I'm saying Whatever it is that God's calling you, if the giant says, that's funny, you think you have a a gift of giving, you can't even pay your tithes. How are you going to have a gift of giving? And you shrink back. Instead of saying, I'll show you, I'll give so much that God will have to pay my bills. I'm not telling you to do that. I've been in services where I heard some of those... uh, Years ago, guys would tell people, write every dime out of your checkbook and give it to me. And I'm like, what in the world? What are you talking about? 
But I've also been in situations myself, Deb and I, at least on one occasion where God told me, empty out everything you got, empty out, your, empty out the bank account, write a check for everything you got. I'm not telling you to do that. If God don't tell you to do that, don't do that. If God doesn't say it, don't do it no matter what the televangelist tells you to do. Don't do it. But if God does tell you to do that, then step out with your sling and your pen. Don't if he don't. And that's not what this is not about an offering right now. It's making a point. We've done took the offering. I'm not trying to get you to give to, to do that. That's between you and the Lord. But to those individuals who are listening to me right now who say, I know there's a call of God on my life. I know there's a call on my life for ministry. I know that, but I can't do anything with it. Why can't you? Well, I don't have, I didn't get to go to Bible college. So I can't. I, I don't have the charisma. I can't teach and I can't preach like somebody else. I can't do it. Man, that's just, that's just fear hiding in the ranks. That's just fear hiding in the ranks because whatever God has called you to do, the scripture says that he who he calls, he equips. So if you don't think that you're equipped or can be equipped, it means you don't believe his word is true. Faith would say, I will start where I am. What's the first thing I need to do? Let me start picking up rocks. We'll start picking up rocks. I'm not going to put them in a sling just yet till I, till I get closer to the enemy. But I'm going to start picking up rocks right now. Somebody in here needs to rekindle. Somebody was saying, I, I'm called to ministry, but I can't do it. I'm too old. Waited too long. If you think God's gifts are with repentance, if they are, then his word is false. Because he said his gifts are without repentance. It means that if he called you, he called you. If you haven't done what you're supposed to do, then it's still time to do it or else you'd already be gone. If you have given up on yourself, then what's he going to do? You have the weapons and whatever weapons you don't have, he will give you as you near the giant. Closer you get, it'll be there. Lord, I thank you for your word. I'm asking you this morning, God, not to just rekindle flames, but I'm asking you, Lord, pour gas on fire. For people who have just become discouraged, who love you with all of their heart and life, but their faith is waning. They're struggling. They're so tired of every day getting up, putting their feet on the floor, and looking straight up at that 10-foot giant. Every stinking day they get up and he's there. They just want to get back in bed. Lord, this isn't going to change until they step out in faith and take a rock and slay that giant and move on past it. Today we need you to boost our faith and encourage us encourage us in the weapons you've given us help us to continue to become more adept with their usage but let us walk in faith 
no more fear. No more trying to grab someone else's armor. No more trying to get this battle won through someone else. This is my battle. It's my giant and it's my victory. Whoever I'm talking to this morning, without any, without any more than that, whoever I'm talking to, hop up to your feet and come down to this altar. Come on. Come on. Don't, don't sit around waiting. I don't need to spell it out anymore. Holy Spirit's working on you all throughout this time. Come on. Come on. You are in a battle. You're in a battle. But you've been in one before. You've won every time. You're going to win this time too. And you'll win all the rest of of them from here on. Lord, as we kneel before you, remind us today of what your word says. That those you call, you equip of your word that says we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us of your word that tells us of the power that Jesus promised when he went away and he said I'm going to send you a paraclete I'm sending you a comforter and he's going to lead and guide you into all things that means he's going to tell you which rocks to pick up and he's going to tell you how many times to swing that sling around your head before you turn loose of the rock. Remind us of your word today. Neil's going to lead us in this song and all over this room. I want us just to pray because I feel like some powerful things are going to happen. I, I, I don't know if you've ever seen that, that, a, a picture of what happens when you have a, a big old pile of brush. Some of you guys will relate to this a great big pile of brush and you you pour gas on that pile it's got some hollow down underneath and you pour some gas and then you you get your flame you back away and you throw that and when it hits that it just it, it, as it hits it you can hear this sound it's like it the fire explodes you know what i'm talking about just a and the whole thing is just that's what i see this morning for this and the next service that god wants to do in somebody's life and faith that's the picture the Lord has given me this morning of what's going to happen to somebody's faith in here today. That, that the gas is going to pour on us, not just going to, but there's going to be an explosion of that flame. And they're going to walk out of here with fire kicking off their toes, looking for devils behind bushes to kick and fight and whip with switches. That's what I want to happen in this place. And I want it not to just to be these ones around the front, but every warrior in this room. I want you to stand to your feet and throw your hands in the air and say, God, let me be that thing that you set on fire today. Let me be that vehicle that you're going to burn through to throw those hands up in the air. God, let me be that vehicle that you're going to use to fight the giant this week. God, I want to slay a giant this week. I don't care how young or how old you are. If you can hear me in this room or throughout this building, you feel like that God has a calling on your life 
for ministry, for whatever that might be. If it's a, 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 a pastor, evangelist, a missionary, you feel like God is calling you, yet you don't know how you're going to get there. You see the giant, but you don't know how you're going to get there. But the call is on your heart. It's on your life. It won't go away. You just, you can, you just sense it all the time. But you just struggle. I, just, you just in a constant struggle. I don't know how I'm going to get from where I am to where I think God is calling me. I'm facing this huge obstacle, this huge giant in the form of, of maybe education or finances or, or, or whatever it is that I think is limiting that, whatever is keeping me. I don't care how young or how old. If I'm talking to you right now, I want you to come stand right here in the front. Quickly, though, don't, don't, don't waste time. Don't waste time. Line up right across there don't know how in the world I could ever get there wow 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 I feel like God has called me to ministry I feel like God's called me somehow to teach or lead people there's a calling on my life. If that's for you and you're still out there, come on. I just don't know how, Pastor. I don't know how I'm going to get there. I'm going to tell you all something that's, that's just, this is, it probably shouldn't be, but this is shocking to me. I expected to see three or four people right now. I really did. But instead, what is being what is happening in me and boosting my faith is something is being confirmed for me through you for the hope from the Holy Spirit. Where that he said that the next phase of our ministry, you ready for this, would be raising up spiritual sons and daughters. <laughs> I didn't know you this many of you were here. The word today is yours, but the Lord may have yet another personal word for each of you individually. He may have something else for you. So for the next few minutes, what we're going to do is I want you just to lift your hands as a, it's an act of surrender. I don't want you to pray. I don't want you to ask. I don't want you, you've done a lot of that, haven't you? You said, man, I've prayed and asked lots of times. This time I want you to listen. Well, if God, what if God don't tell me anything? Oh, he will. He's going to. He's going to tell each of you something different. He may not give you the full answer of what it's going to entail for you to go where you're going, but he's about to give you the next piece of information that met in itself may not even make a lot of sense, but the reason he's about to tell you what he tells you is just to give you the faith to keep on but I truly believe that in many of you this morning that fire I talked about is about to explode again it's going to explode again what are you going to do with it I don't know 
I don't know. But the Lord is, I know the Lord is raising you up for ministries that currently function in this church or for ministries that are about to take place or for things that you and I may not even be aware of but opportunities that are on the horizon where that you are going, some of you are going to have to be willing, you're going to have to be willing to leave here in order to do it. You'll still be a part of the family. But you'll have to leave here to do it. Now that may be part of the test. That may be part of the test. God may be training you to send you to be a children's pastor somewhere else. Or a youth pastor or a minister of music or a pastor or a missionary or an evangelist. He may be raising you up to be a women's director somewhere else or a men's director somewhere else. And some of you probably in this line right now have a calling on your life or something and you're thinking, we already have that in our church. We already have someone doing that. There's no place for me. I'm telling you, there's a place for you. Might not be here, but there's a place for you and it will be in the family somehow. Neil, I want you to lead us and I want to turn this place into a house of prayer. I just want to come by. For all the Lord will let me to lay my hands on you and to pray for you. But God's about to speak a word into your heart and he's about to fan a flame in your soul. Are you ready? Are you ready? Hands up. I'm ready, Lord. I surrender. I want to hear from you. I want to follow you. I belong to you.